just thinking about um, what to share this morning and um, some scriptures just ran through my mind and um, Act 17 let's start with Act 17 Act 17 is a very very interesting chapter in the Bible and shows the experience of Paul in three cities um, he had been to starting with um, Thessalonica some things happened he moved to Borea and uh, he eventually moved to Athens um, let me read Acts 17 2 to 3 um, and Paul as his manner was you know when he was in Thessalonica went in unto them and three Sabbath days reasoned with them out of the scripture. So three Sabbath days means it was there for at least two weeks, you know, from Sabbath to Sabbath. Opening and alleging that Christ must needs have been suffered and risen again from the dead. And after this, Jesus, and after, and that this Jesus whom I preach unto you is Christ, you know. So that was his message. And Acts says that was his custom. So this is what the message he took to them, you know. And then some people believed out of the jury, you know, some Jews believed, but some did not believe and they created problem for Paul. You know, they, there was a riot in the city and the Christians there moved Paul to another city. They sent him off to... Thessalonica, from Thessalonica to Berea, you know. And um, verses 10 and 11 talks about that experience that he had in Berea, you know. And the brethren immediately sent away Paul and Silas from verse 10 of Acts 17 by night unto Berea, who coming thither went on into the synagogue of the Jews. So he still went back to the synagogue. That was his custom. And those were more noble than those in Thessalonica. So the reception was better off. Why were they more noble? He says that in that they received the word with all readiness of mind, search and search the scriptures daily, whether those things were so. Now, these weren't Christians, as we would say to start with, they were just Jews in Judaism, but they had a noble character. And that character was, they heard something new, something different, but they went back to search if those things were so. You know, there was a message Paul was bringing to them. We have seen that message before in, um, in verses 2 to 3 when he was in Thessalonica. So he was coming to tell them something they've not heard before. So it was new. It was different. It was new. But their nobility was that they didn't just argue or receive as it were hook line and sinker whatever paul said but that they went back on their own and did their own study you know about how whatever paul was saying made sense how it fitted into that whole you know grand picture or the gospel or let me put it this way the word of god that they had always known you know, and it's just an attitude that we should 
imbibe, you know. Beyond whether it's pastor that said it or pastor did not say it, or whether we are hearing it from another supposed, you know, minister of the gospel out there, we have a duty to always confirm and see whether this new thing, whatever it is new, sits with the whole idea or concept of God as revealed in the word, you know, because this is actually the attitude that Jesus himself, you know, um, want us to imbibe, you know. In Matthew 16, you know, Jesus, there was a scenario, you know, it was a very funny scenario. The disciples had, you know, they had literally forgotten to take bread. So they were on this journey and they did not take bread. You know. It's like you are students, but you're not school students resuming and not taking provisions alone. You know, remember uh, the other day, Pastor, someone had said, you know, I'm not sure it was Pastor Shadi that said that uh, the Jews ate bread a lot, you know, and um, so they just didn't take bread. Something they took on all their journeys or for all their meals, ate a lot of bread, but they didn't just, just, just take bread this time around. And then Jesus said something interesting. Matthew 16, you know, uh, let me read verses 5 and 6. And when his disciples were come to the other side, they had forgotten to take bread. Then Jesus said unto them, Take heed and beware of the loving of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. You know. So they've forgotten to take bread, and Jesus says, Ah, those people's yeast. You know, just be, 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 be mindful of the yeast. Immediately, the disciples were thinking, you know, bread and ewa, you know, as in literal bread. And was thinking probably it was a health, a public health advisory, you know, like uh, Navdak would tell us, uh, don't take bromates, you know, um, laden bread. And Jesus was taken aback and he reminded them of, you know, the multiplication of bread in times past so that he expected them not to have concluded uh, you know, easily that was just merely talking about you know yeast and flour you know but he was talking about the doctrine so there was something about the doctrine of the Pharisees and the doctrine of the Sadducees that he wanted them to be aware of you know beware that this is Jesus talking if he says beware, then there's something really, you know, it's worth attending to, you know. Because of time, um, we'll probably just look at the Sadducees only and uh, leave the Pharisees. Who are the Sadducees really? The Sadducees weren't mentioned as much in the Bible as the Pharisees or some other groups. You know, probably the Bible mentioned them only about seven, seven instances or thereabouts, you know. But we have a very clear picture of who the Sadducees were. You know, in Matthew 22, there was this account of um, Jesus being tempted by a group of people that questioned him about this particular woman that had been handed down from, you know, across seven husbands, seven brothers. You know, the law of Moses required that if 
a man died without a child, his brother should take his wife and um, raise at least the firstborn of that subsequent um, union will be in the name of the deceased. And then, you know, they, they, they gave Jesus this, this scenario, how that a particular woman had passed through seven brothers and didn't have the, you know, opportunity or the chance to, you know, give birth to any one of, to a, to a child for any one of the brothers. And then eventually the woman died and they asked a question in the resurrection whose wife will she be now but something interesting about this group of people is that they did not believe in the resurrection so all this scenario of the law of moses and you know the woman dying the brothers dying wasn't because they wanted to find out about the peculiarities of resurrection but they wanted to tell jesus the absurdity you know, of believing in resurrection. And Jesus said something interesting, you know. Matthew 22, verse 28, you know. Jesus answered and said unto them, You do err, not knowing the scriptures, nor the power of God. So we can conclude that their error is because they did not know the scriptures and they've not had an encounter with the power of god you know and then he said something he says for in the resurrection they neither marry nor are they given in marriage but are as the angels of god in heaven so describing the resurrection but the next statement but as touching the resurrection of the dead have you not read that which was spoken unto you by God, saying? Now, he's quoting that encounter with Moses at the burning bush. I am the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. God is not the God of the dead, but of the living. You know, let me just come here a bit. You know, it's interesting that the assertion that I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is sufficient ground to believe in the resurrection. Why? God, there's something about God, the personality of God, the person of God that serves humanity you know remember psalms what is man that you are obsessed with him that your mind is full of him that you are mindful of him you know there's something about us there's something about you that god is you know is obsessed with is you know it, it's it's is if Jesus or God was supposed to be doing some other thing, we can literally be saying that he's, he's distracted because he's thinking about you. But of course, we know he cannot be distracted because he has the capacity to think about each and every one of us to the tiniest of details. But that is the, that is the nature of God. 
about being of service to man. And Jesus is saying, for God to say, I'm the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, is testimony that there's resurrection of the dead. That these people are not just dead and gone and forgotten, you know, just because they are died and been buried physically on earth. He's saying that there's something about the the core of these people and God, you know, testifying years later that is their God to suggest there's resurrection of the dead. But I think that point has been made, you know. So Jesus had said we should be aware of the loving of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And we've seen here that the Sadducees do not believe in the resurrection. But you know, the story does not end there, you know, about the Bible's account of the Sadducees. We see them feature, you know, a couple of times in the book of Acts, you know. Um, anytime I think of the Pharisees and the Sadducees, you know, at times my mind goes on to um, the presidential system in the U.S. and then is the Democrats now or the Republicans later, you know. And for some time, especially during that early church, you know, the Sadducees were in power. They were the high priests, you know. The high priest was the Sadducee kind of person. They had, they had the government of the temple. They were the ones that, you know, warned um, the, the apostles that they should not preach in the name of Jesus anymore, you know. And then we have Paul's encounter, you know, when he was dragged before the council in Acts 23, you know. And um, that is when we know that beyond just resurrection, there was a, a whole lot of things the Sadducees did not um, did not fancy, you know. Acts 23 verse 8 says, For the Sadducees say that there is no resurrection, neither angel nor spirit, but the Pharisees confess both. The only thing, the only thing spiritual that the Sadducees actually accommodated is that there is God. You know, it's funny that they are actually Christians that have the mindset of Sadducees these days. They are so let's be factual, let's be real, you know, let's not deceive ourselves. They are so empirical, so material. If they can't touch it, it does not exist kind of Christianity. And this will not all go well for us. Personally, I find it hard to reconcile how someone can say he's a Christian and not believe certain things. I, I just, I just, that's just me. I can't reconcile it. But apparently, you know, there are these people that share this kind of beliefs. And this is one of the things that Paul was addressing in 1 Corinthians 15. You know, he... he 1 Corinthians 15 from verse 12 says, Now if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead, how say some among you 
that there is no resurrection of the dead. They actually were people in the Corinthian church who were moving this rave that there is no resurrection of the dead. And here, Paul is addressing the same thing that Jesus had addressed in Matthew 22. He, but this time around, with the benefit of Jesus having died and reason. That is the basis of his argument this time around. So there were people who called themselves born again, who probably, well, I wouldn't want to think these guys were speaking in tongues, or, but again, it just limited it to the resurrection of the dead. So let's even assume that they were speaking in tongues, but they were moving a rev that there was no resurrection of the dead. And Paul engaged them. Now, if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead, how say some of you that there's no resurrection of the dead? But if there be no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. The resurrection of Jesus is within the boundary of resurrection of the dead. He is the first to have had that phenomenon, that experience, but if that does not exist, then Jesus could not have risen, you know. And if Christ is not risen, then he's a preaching being. Remember what Jesus said in Matthew 16 that says, These people do not know, they err because they do not know the scripture nor the power of God. It's that same line of not knowing the scripture or the power of God that Paul is following. It's going to link whatever they claim, you know, is gospel truth, is a new rev to how it even affects the very foundation of that which they had confidence in, which is their salvation. But if there be no resurrection of the dead, then is Christ not risen? And if Christ be not risen, then is our preaching being and your faith is also being. Yea, and we have found false senses of God because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ, whom he raised not up, if so be that the dead rise not. For if the dead rise not, then is not Christ raised. And if Christ be not raised, your faith is vain, and you are yet in your sins. The, the, the reason why, you know, I'm speaking in this light is just to encourage us to do some more personal study of the word. Let's just be sincere as we study the word. Let us read the Bible with an intention to know and find out what is actually in the Bible itself. Let us read that story to have this picture of what salvation is, of what God's goodwill, what God's purposes are in this whole redemption passage, this redemption story for ourselves. Not because, oh, um, a pastor said it, or a brother said it, or a sister said it, you know, but because it is our own um, investment in what's in the faith that we profess. 
we are born again we believe in jesus christ we call ourselves we identify as christians but beyond it just being something that we say with our mouth only let's just make sure that we have some knowledge thank god the bible is readily available to us these days unlike some centuries ago let's take time to read the bible to know the scriptures in order not to err not to make some needless errors but beyond that we also need to encounter the power of god and i dare say that the more we accept the truth of god's word the more we will experience the power of god there are a lot of voices out there in the world some are outrightly you know trying to deceive but beyond that god that left us in this world after we are born again and gave us the ministry of the holy ghost you know is sure about his provisions for us to be able to navigate whatever error is out there and make the most of our lives you know this this these are interesting times and um the bible actually warns us you know about this period you know it says um uh, concerning this this time that we live in that some will give heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils you know but how can we insulate ourselves from giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils it's by being acquainted with the word colossians 3 says we should let the word that again that's another let we should allow we should yield we should make provision for the word of god to dwell in us richly and will be the better for it as a church we believe that this is a year of supernatural works and we'll only experience this and you know encounters we only have enjoyed these encounters when we are grounded in the word when would make a habit of a practice of when we make a practice of engaging in you know a study agreed we are not all pastors we have a nine to five busy schedules but because that very fact that we have professed you know that we are born again we are christians you know places a responsibility on us to also make provision for the knowledge of god's word in our daily operations no matter how busy we are we belong to god 
and therefore we should make time to understand the constitution of God. And I trust that as we make adjustments, if we need to, or we improve on our dedication to the study of God, if we've already started, that we will encounter the the, the, the riches the riches the riches that are bound in this engagement in this vocation and like Paul prayed that the eyes of our understanding be enlightened and we will behold the riches of the glory of the inheritance of the saints as we make a practice of studying the word I trust that this shall be our experiences. We will just know because the word has in itself the capacity to produce after its kind. We will just know. We will just know. We will be the better for it. And the attendant results, those blessings that comes from the word yielding in us that which only the word can do will be manifest. Oh, Paul says, give yourself wholly unto these things that your profiting may appear unto all. That profiting that, you know, you crave will just become a little easier. Will just become, you know, something attainable. That improvement will just become something within your reach. Because the word has that capacity to make it happen for us. Father Lord, we thank you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for our glorious experiences in the word. We thank you because there is a strong passion in us to to go after the word, to make provisions for the word to yield to the world, to give the world first place in our life. We thank you because we are noble and we do that which noble people do. And that is to make a study of the things that we hear. Oh, we, we, we yield and we follow the admonition that says we should prove all things and to yield to that which is true. We prove all things that we hear. It is our practice. It is our habit. We are known for that. That no matter what we hear, we go back and make our own independent, individual study. And if these things be true, we embrace them. We embrace them. We embrace them. We do not find it difficult to yield to the word. Or we are eager to obey your will at all times and in all things. Oh, thank you, Father, because our profiting that is a result of our meditation and our yieldedness appears to all according to your word. We thank you. We thank you. We thank you for we create the right influences everywhere we go. We thank you for this opportunity that the fragrance of your knowledge is spread abroad everywhere we go because it is you. It is you that are working us and we are the better for it. Do have a productive day. Good morning.